I'd like to welcome back Don Higgins um, to this testimonial interview. Don is founder of Crossways to Life, a discipleship counseling ministry in Kitchener, Ontario. Don, how are you today? I'm fine. Thank you so much for continuing our conversation. Well, it's a pleasure. My wife Linda and I had the blessing of attending the uh, workshop and conference that you conducted there in the Kitchener, Ontario, Crossways to Life. So we thank you for how you have mentored us back in the 90s when we lived in Ontario. It was a joy to have you, John. Um, Brother Don, could you summarize how God used the Galatians 2.20 revelation to change your life? Last time we talked about your spiritual breakthrough testimony, and how could you summarize that as we uh, continue to talk about God's leading in the years since then? Well, instead of a life of anxiety and uh, pressure and uh, the performance orientation, uh, the truth of God's word that uh, righteousness, the fruit of righteousness is joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. And the hallmark of my life in these days uh, since then has been uh, the ability to rest and be at peace and quietness. And I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 15, uh, where the Lord says to Isaiah, in quietness and repentance, in strength and in rest is your peace. And um, I have found that that truly is the uh, the way that God wants us to live. God never intended us to be doers. He intended us to be beings. And uh, we we are simply to receive from him life from moment to moment to face the situations that we uh, that we do are confronted with day to day. Mm-hmm. And I think the hallmark of my life has been peace. One of the, um, one of the things that I perhaps could mention in, as I did in the former interview was that Miriam says that she has a, a new husband, but she didn't have to get married again. Mm-hmm. And my daughter, who was a key in my, um, in my breaking experience, uh, who had, uh, had said that, uh, she had never experienced my love, and uh, she even said one time a few days before her wedding, didn't matter whether I came to the wedding or not. It was a very tenuous situation, but my daughter has come in recent days and uh, said, Dad, I'm just so happy to have the daddy that I have now, and I mm. see love flowing from your life instead of instead of all the pressure. So I think it uh, has manifested itself in terms of relationships with others. Probably most dramatic effect in terms of my occupation and what I did was the statement that Bob Toby had said to me that God will send his hurting people to you. And uh, I could share with you how that happened rather dramatically and quickly as I returned to Ontario from my encounter with him and uh, mm-hmm. then how the ministry was developed. And I think that's what you have an interest in this afternoon. Yes, sir. Um, as you drove back to Ontario and became more settled in this new perspective of your union with Christ and God's grace and, and peace started to flow into your life, he started to lead people to you to get some help, didn't he? Well, I was really quite shocked um, uh, we had come back on a, on a Sunday, and I returned to uh, my office for work on Monday through to Friday. And Saturday, I was catching my breath and doing some reading and just uh, 
sort of amazed at, uh, at what had happened and how God was revealing himself to me. And the doorbell rang, and uh, there stood a couple that um, I hardly knew. But uh, this dear couple were from Kingston, Ontario, which is about 300 miles from where we live at that time. And um, we had met them uh, in the summer of 1985, just that the same year. And um, they, uh, we met them in a camping experience on vacation. And here they were standing at my door, having driven 300 miles. And uh, I said, what brings you here? And they said, well, our marriage is in difficulty, and we feel the Lord has directed us to come and see you. And uh, mm. I nearly collapsed in the in the doorway, but I invited them in, and uh, we took out the wheel of line, and uh, we began to share with them how it was God's purpose for them to live in peace and rest and uh, in, in reconciliation with each other by a new dynamic of Jesus living in them. Mm-hmm. And so that was the first opportunity that uh, that I had seen God send someone to me, and in less than one week here was the fulfilling of Bob Tovey's uh, prophecy. So soon. <laughs> yes, so soon. And so unprepared mm-hmm. uh, as I was to uh, try and articulate what had become so real to me so quickly. And it was about three weeks later that uh, that we met a couple at church, uh, a bus driver and his wife, and uh, uh, quite quite different than uh, expected. They invited us to their home for a, a Saturday evening uh, dinner, and so we we went. And I threw my book and binder with uh, the Grace Life Conference in the back seat, and hardly thought anything of it. But uh, as we sat down to eat the meal, he went to say grace and he choked up and he he asked me to say grace and I no sooner had said grace than he tears began to flow down his face he said the reason we are here is to fulfill what God has asked us to do and that is to get help from you I've been off work for six weeks uh, in depression and uh, he said I'm unable to fulfill my duties and uh, somehow God has told us that you can help us and so here I was again uh, faced with um, the fulfillment mm-hmm. of what Bob Toby had said. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few days later, um, another girl from the church contacted me. I don't know how she came to to understand that I could help her, but uh, she came for help. And uh, so we we detected that there was something. Uh, happening, and we concluded that there must be some water that's flowing somewhere within us that uh, is available for drinking, mm-hmm. and uh, so others were coming to drink. So from November to the summer of the next year, we did some little bit of counseling uh, here and there, and seeing God do some tremendous uh, things that uh, that were evidence that uh, he indeed was working in and through us and in the, into the lives of other people. And we became aware from Dr. Toby that he was conducting in September a something he called a workshop. And uh, that was to prepare people further uh, for sharing with others. And so we thought it might be an idea to go. And so we we went to that workshop in September of 1986. And there we discovered that... Uh, 
that many of the things that we had already been sharing with people were now being more clearly articulated and uh, brought into perspective so that we can could encapsulate them and uh, uh, get a handle on them more effectively to communicate with others this precious truth of Galatians 2 and 20 and the dramatic change of, of life in Jesus Christ. So that by the time we got to the end of 1986, we were having Dr. Toby come to Ontario for conferences and, and a workshop, and uh, we uh, engaged with him over the next uh, three or four years to take some individual study with him I still was working, and so I would take three weeks of vacation, go to Indianapolis each year, and spend three weeks with him and uh, and be equipped to, to more fully communicate the message. Don, it uh, occurs to me that when we have this experience of Christ as our life and appreciate our new identity in him, then there's some natural opportunities that God brings our way, like the ones you've mentioned and it can be shared kind of in an informal way, kind of intuitively, just passing on what God has shown us. But as you went back uh, for the workshop the next year, um, it became more of a, a mentoring process or an equipping time, right, a, a training process. So I detect that you move more from an informal kind of testimonial helping of others to uh, being more equipped. And Bob really became a mentor to you, didn't he, in the years to come? certainly did he um, and he was very effective in in the way he approached it he gave me books to read videos to watch uh, audios to listen to and uh, everything that uh, he gave me i had to uh, report back to him and write a presay as to what i had learned and he uh, he would never tell me very much about uh, about what he read of mine but he would just say, you're doing fine, you're doing fine. And he, he knew that he could leave it to the work of the Holy Spirit to do the, the real deep work that needed to be done. But he was a good coach along the way to point me in the right direction. Well, it was commendable that you would use your three weeks of vacation the next couple of years, as well as this ongoing independent study in terms of videos and reading. I sense that uh, you had a growing conviction that God wanted to, to use you in a significant way to share this message. Well, it became so obvious to me that that uh, this message of freedom in Christ is is what so many Christians so desperately need. And here I was that God had had taken me on a personal journey. Uh, it's it's almost like uh, the Handbook to Happiness is um, Dr. Solomon journeyed with several of his clients clinically. And uh, and just applied these truths to the individual challenges that people were facing, and uh, this is the message that uh, that Christians need today. And I see now that probably we need to equip uh, people in the church to informally be able to uh, help others, but uh, there is also a need for God to raise up people who will hang up a shingle, as it were, and uh, effectively communicate the message both individually and in groups uh, such as you're doing there at Grace Fellowship International. You do both. And there's a need for for both care and counsel in the body of Christ. We need to bear each other's burdens and so fulfill that law of love and being a good listener. And and that role of care is, is valued. But then when you were going through uh, your severe brokenness process, you needed more than care. You needed a cure, didn't you? That's right. 
And um, I think of Ephesians chapter 4, where, where we're admonished to speak the truth in love. And while for many years I said, well, that's good. We, we have to be careful as Christians that we're always telling the truth. But the truth is Jesus, and we need to speak the truth in love mm-hmm. uh, to those who are hurting and, and broken and be sensitive to those around us who are inevitably on their way to the, the journey to the cross. The church at large seems so ill-equipped uh, to equip others, and uh, this is really a, a fantastic way of, of communicating the message, both informally and formally in a, in a structured way. And the local church should be equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, including right. grace discipleship and pastoral counseling, but so often uh, pastors sense that they're not equipped or they don't know how to help people at a more in-depth basis. So therefore, we have parachurch ministries uh, like Grace Fellowship International, where I serve, uh, and Crossways to Life in Kitchener that God used you to found. Um, so Don, could you tell us a bit about how God moved you toward a full-time vocational ministry with this message? Well, uh, I guess um, through the two years after first going to Indianapolis, uh, maybe three years, uh, the training was quite intensive uh, because I, I felt the, um, if you could call it pressure, I felt the traffic coming to my door. Uh, I certainly wasn't, uh, I certainly wasn't out there promoting and uh, trying to make things happen, but it was just coming. Uh, demands for teaching and requests for teaching in churches and uh, in Sunday school settings and so on were just uh, coming left, right, and center. And so it was about 1990, that would be five years after I had been to uh, Indianapolis first, um, we began to set up a, a more structured way in which Bob Toby could help me uh, and mentor me in, in setting up a ministry here. Now, all this while, I was still fulfilling my obligations as a, uh, as a general manager in a in a very busy company, I had my plate full, and uh, I was happy with the with all the rewards of, of working in that kind of position. But deep in my heart, this message just kept burning and burning and burning. That said, this is what I want to share, and um, so it was in the uh, first month of 1993. I finally walked away from my business uh, engagements. I had given them two years' notice that I would be leaving. So in January of 1993, I walked away from the business and went full-time into sharing this message, both in conferences and in, in counseling. Now initially, the, uh, um, the conferences were in great demand. Uh, I had my first conference a week after leaving business, and I was in Sarnia, Ontario. We had 120 people there. And the second one was in London, Ontario, a few weeks later. There was 105 at that one. Mm. Uh, we did several in Kitchener, Ontario, and uh, we started. The news started to spread that uh, uh, this message was uh, this message was essential. I can remember being invited to uh, men's breakfasts and uh, places that uh, were having fellowship on a regular basis, and they wanted to hear my testimony. And as that happened, um, uh, there was more and more opportunities opened up until, in terms of conferences, we 
had uh, Grace Life conferences uh, all across Canada in every province except Prince Edward Island. And uh, I don't know how many people, uh, we were anywhere from seven to 900 new people every year were, in, were hearing the message uh, through con the conference vehicle. And uh, at the same time, we were doing we were doing counseling at the office in our home. People would come to our door. I would have um, anywhere from 20 to 25 counseling sessions a week, and um, and would clock the hours of counseling time. And when we left the ministry in 2006. Um, I was doing about 900 hours of counseling a year. Now, 900 hours is a good half year's work mm -hmm. on its own. In mm -hmm. addition, we were doing the counseling or the uh, teaching of conferences and we were uh, furnishing the workshops such as the one you came to. Mm -hmm. You and Linda enjoyed that one weekend. Now, Crossways to Life was the uh, ministry organization um, that uh, was organized and Don was that uh, organized uh, when you left industry or was it already up and running uh, at that time? Uh, and we established the the charter. The charter for Crossways to Life was uh, instituted in 1996, but it was run as a um, uh, in the in the, from 1990 uh, through to 96. It was run as a sub office to. Um, to the Indianapolis office, and we uh, we just called it for Grace Fellowship International, Grace Fellowship uh, Ontario, and it was uh, run. We had a advisory board. We didn't have an official chartered board, but we had an advisory advisory board to mm -hmm. uh, coach us and to support us in prayer along the way. But we were formally incorporated in, at the beginning of 1996. We have um, we were able over over time to establish a sub office in Calgary. Uh, that office is still running today. It's called Crossnet Industries, Crossnet Ministries. It's headed up by a man by the name of Dallas Bergen, who was one of our uh, people off the streets, as it were, that came came to our conference. And God touched his life, and now he in turn has uh, established a ministry there. We had uh, at one time established a benchmark uh, ministry in Vancouver, BC. Uh, that is now under under other auspices. Um, we have been to Zambia in recent years, and there we've established um, the teaching of this ministry amongst church leaders. We're presently looking at uh, working alongside of uh, another agency, Dynamic Church Ministries, in here in Canada. Hans uh, Timmermans mm -hmm. is going to be assisting us in um, in not only setting up a ministry in our own church here in Kirkfield, but also in setting up uh, with their material in Zambia. Wonderful. And so we um, we're seeing the uh, ministry reach out in uh, many different directions. We've been to Trinidad with the message. We've been to London, England with Bob Toby when he was. Uh, when he was still living, we did a ministry trip to uh, England, and uh, there it was amongst the Ghanaian people that uh, are settled in London, England. 
And so we've had an exciting time sharing the message of the uh, of life in Christ. For a number of years, I was uh, on the executive uh, board of the Gideons International in Canada, and that gave us many opportunities to share mm-hmm. messages of life. People would hear from even me presenting regular Gideon ministry that there was a spark of life that uh, they wanted to hear about. And uh, so that opened the door to many churches across Canada to uh, go and, uh, and share with congregations and people who had their hearts open. So uh, very, very busy years, Don, fruitful years of conferences and workshops there in Kitchener, Ontario and elsewhere across Canada and other countries. And uh, wow, you had a full counseling load too with the typical number of sessions per week. That's that's a real busy, busy time. One of the fascinating things about this approach to discipleship counseling is that it's relevant to all kinds of different problems and symptoms. Uh, so Doc, could, could you give us... Um, some examples of the way God has used this type of counseling to help people with different kinds of problems. Well, I like to feel that uh, when a Christian has a problem, um, the problem is only a symptom of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be finances, whether it be relationships with their children, whether it be re- relationships with husband and wife, uh, whether it be a problem with church, um, it could be physical problems. Uh, when when people do not know the message of Christ as life, uh, when they do not know the truth of Jesus living in them, they are functioning uh, under the auspices and the abilities of their own flesh patterns, which uh, we can't fault them for the fact that uh, they may have a very deep desire to serve God, but uh, when they're using the wrong resources, eventually what's going to happen is they're going to burn themselves out. We often hear the expression that a pastor has spiritual burnout. Well, he doesn't have spiritual burnout at all. He has flesh burnout. Uh, no matter what the problem is, whether it might be that he's having an affair with the church secretary or he's having a uh, problem with his church generally, uh, that's only a symptom. And so the symptom provides the way in which uh, a, a skilled counselor can uh, point out the fact that uh, by using the energy of the flesh, there's going to be problems. Mm-hmm. And God's Word says in Galatians 5.17 that the spirit and the flesh are conflict one with the other. They're in opposition one to the other. And so when a Christian doesn't know any better and is operating in the flesh, you can have any kind of variety of problems that uh, if it's in his marriage, it's really a fleshly Christian that's trying to solve uh, problems in, in fleshly ways, and it just won't work. Uh, we had um, we had a lady come to us uh, who was having a problem with her husband. Christine was her name. Her husband's name was Peter, and uh, she was just distraught at the way her husband was treating her. And uh, we were able to lead her and her own. Um, on her own to the place where she was discovering Jesus as life. And so she began to treat him and um, and minister to him with the resources that she had in Christ. It wasn't long until Peter was at my door, and he says, I want some of what she has. And so uh, Peter uh, then was, we brought him to an understanding of, of life in Christ, 
and while he is not as um, enthusiastic and expressive as what his wife is, uh, that marriage has been fully restored, and uh, every time I see them, they just say, we owe our lives to you, and I say, no, you owe your lives to Jesus, not me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's exciting to see these uh, these restorations of marriage. Another, another man came to me who was... Um, Married, uh, both he and his wife were married the second time, and now this uh, second marriage was collapsing. They weren't living together, and uh, David uh, came to understand that uh, Jesus was his life. And when he began to treat her differently and communicate differently to her, why well, she was uh, at my door. And uh, David and uh, and Diane are still living happily and uh, rejoicing in the things of God. Does it always work? No. People don't want the way of Jesus. They don't want the choice of living by life in Christ, then it won't work. But if people will come to accept Christ as life, we can see marriages restored. We can see um, relationships restored with children and uh, see some beautiful things happen in the kingdom of God. Some approaches to biblical counseling emphasize sin as the problem and the need for repentance. And although we want to repent of sin... Uh, it's possible to to try to uh, repent of sin, but still live out of our own resources, which is going to keep us in Romans seven, where we want to do what right. you know uh, better, and we don't, and we want to avoid things we don't. But if we can show them the issue of the self life or the flesh needing to be dealt with, that's at a a deeper root issue and a, a more ultimate answer, isn't it? That's correct. Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And when the, when the when the flesh tries to do it, it just crashes and burns. It, it will never be able to uh, face life situations. Depression and anxiety are very common symptoms, aren't they, Don? They are indeed. And uh, I say that depression is simply the results of wrong thinking. And the Word of God says that you are to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And if we learn to think differently, if we learn to think in biblical and scriptural patterns, think God's way, then uh, there's no room for depression. It will disappear. As we have a heart-focused approach, it's wonderful to see the transformational change that can take place as it has in your life and as as we see in the lives of so many uh, who God has led to your, you and your team there uh, over the years because when Christ lives his life in us and through us instead of us things will be different, right? That's right. Uh, back to Crossways uh, I, I functioned from about the 1990 era until about 2006 or seven, and uh, we became we became concerned about what would happen to the ministry on a long-term basis. And uh, so with a board that we um, that we had confidence in, we prayed and asked that God would send us a man, that God would send us a person uh, who would be able to take the ministry over from me. I was now uh, approaching about uh, 70 years of age and... Uh, we felt that it was time to make a transition, and uh, Miriam couldn't handle the uh, the load of, uh, of responsibilities anymore in our home of uh, carrying on the ministry. And so God sent a young man to us who um, had a real passion for life, and uh, he was an engineering student when he came to us, and 
he had a love for automobiles, so he was going to be an automotive engineer. And he took a contract with a company in Detroit, Michigan, at Denver Chrysler, and he worked there on a uh, on a short-term contract. And they offered him a permanent contract. Um, I'm not sure just what year it was, about 2005. He took it, and as he went home with it that night, he he wrestled with it, and uh, it was the message of Galatians 2 and 20 burning in his in his heart. He uh, he made a covenant with God that he says, "No, I'm going to go home back to Canada, and I'm going to share this message." And when he came to me with that uh, burning in his heart, we knew that it had been God's work and uh, that God had provided the man that we were looking for. And so now a man by the name of Ross Gilbert carries on the ministry effectively to share the message in the same way that I did. Uh, His methods and his uh, presentation are somewhat uh, different, uh, suiting his personality, uh, but he is still carrying on the ministry today in 2017 in a very effective way. It's neat to uh, have seen Ross there in Kitchener years ago as as he went through uh, the training there at, at Crossways to Life, and then I've seen him over the years at the Association of Exchange Life Ministries, now known as Network 220. Um, so I commend you for passing the baton, and just as Bob Toby mentored you, um, to see your mentoring uh, in Ross Gilbert uh, during those years. Now, we, we were able to mentor Ross. He worked for us uh, for about two years, or worked with us in counseling. But uh, we sent him to one of our affiliates uh, in Network 220, uh, and we sent him to Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, and there he went for eight weeks. He's a married man. He now has uh, five children. But he got his uh, formal training with uh, with the Atlanta, Georgia office. Okay, so he had some uh, different input into his life through the Marietta office, and and then the foundational training and mentoring there in Kitchener. And Don, you and Miriam then moved from Kitchener up to where you are um, in Kirkfield, Ontario, semi-retirement? Yeah, we we moved up here to retire, John. We didn't come here to semi-retire. We came here to retire. And the selection of the spot was determined uh, for other reasons to be here, uh, so that we could be close to our family uh, who live in this area. But we no sooner uh, got involved in a, a little church here, began attending a little church called Fair Havens Community Church, and we discovered that uh, God has hurting people everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, he began to see, continue to send them to us and uh, even today we we counsel and we teach uh, actively and um, it's interesting about this church uh, about three years before we came here they adopted as their as their mission statement uh, Philippians 3.10 that I might know him and the power of his resurrection the fellowship of sharing in his suffering mm-hmm. being made form to him in the likeness of his death that we might go on to resurrection. That's their, ministry, that's their mission statement. Now they had a man who has since left and is a missionary in Vietnam, but uh, this document of mission statement was left sitting on the shelf and nobody understood it, uh, nor did they um, 
did they try to pursue it? And when I arrived on the scene, there was a number of uh, church leaders who, one of them in particular, who came for counseling on my front lawn here at the at the lake. And one of his uh, appointments, he came to me with his document. He said, he said, this is our mission statement. He said, God has brought you here to make this happen. Mm. And so I've had uh, the privilege of seeing. Uh, seeing about 20% of this uh, church uh, people have responded positively to the message. And um, God has changed their hearts and their way of thinking and uh, their way of living. And uh, we're just expecting God in a, in a new dimension in our church to break through with, with his spirit uh, to a, a lot of hungry and thirsty people who really want to know him. And it's wonderful uh, to see Pastor David there uh, respond uh, to a brokenness process in his own life and uh, how he is supportive and teaching this message from the pulpit and what an ideal uh, context uh, for your leaders to see the importance of a Christ-centered, grace-oriented ministry. Since 1985, I've always sort of had a dream of having a pastor that would be able to teach this message, but I never, I never imagined that I would be able to work with a man uh, so directly and so uh, remarkably touched by the Holy Spirit to awaken him to the truth of Christ in him. He came to this church with his suitcase full of bags of tricks and uh, and methods that he was going to put this place on the map and instead God broke him and it continues to break the church uh, and breaks people's uh, strength of working in the flesh and uh, brings them to wholeness, and it's just um, it's just an exciting place to be. God's ways are higher than our ways, aren't they? That's right. Never thought I'd end my life this way, but uh, retirement, I've discovered, doesn't happen in the Christ life. Jesus never retires. He and, just keeps living. And you wouldn't want to miss out on those opportunities, would you? That's right. <laughs> it's just it's just exciting to to see God work. We've seen a, a young couple here who. When I came, they uh, had been married about three years, and their marriage was just going nowhere, and they were both wanting out of it. She was in such deep depression, but uh, God has restored their marriage. They're just uh, happily uh, engaged in in ministering Christ's life. He has taken some advanced training with Crossways to Life, and they've just had their their second baby about two weeks ago, and they're mm-hmm. just as happy as can be. Well, we rejoice at that, Brother Don. As we start to wrap up this testimonial interview about your your uh, ministry years, um, what uh, suggestions would you have for pastors or missionaries, people involved in discipleship who have a burden to help struggling believers resolve chronic problems and find victory in Christ? Um, I think uh, pastors today need to um, adopt a the the Ephesians principle where pastors uh, are to equip the saints for the ministry of the of the uh, church, mm-hmm. and uh, that means that the equipping of the saints has to be in the resources of life in Christ. If Christ is not life, then every other method uh, that uh, they may try is going to fail. Um, it would be best for each pastor to have what I would call a small army 
a small contingent of people in his church trained in the uh, grace life principles or exchange life principles, whatever you want to call it, that who know Christ as life and, and can informally uh, disciple believers in the church to bring them to maturity in knowing uh, in turn their life uh, totally centered upon Christ providing the resources in and through them. The Galatians 2.20 message is absolutely imperative for the Christian church to go forward. And as A.W. Tozer says, unless there is um, unless there is brokenness, unless there is an, an openness to receive what God has provided for the Christian, Christianity will not survive to the next generation. And in studying God's word, we see that, uh, we, that going from Moses to Joshua to the subsequent leaders of Israel, um, if they were not equipped in the principles of um, dynamic relationship with, with God, uh, they always failed. So pastors need to have a contingency of believers in their church who will act as disciplers to bring others to life in Jesus Christ. Indeed, brother. We need to have public ministry where we're preaching the word from a, a grace orientation, from a Christ-centered perspective. And then also to have that personal ministry, like you say, that band of equipped people. And not to be intimidated to think that we have to have uh, state licensure or uh, or master's or doctorate in psychology to help people. It's, it's really soul care, and it can be informal like it was through you in the early years, or it might be more formal when people have additional training and equipping. I think we, I think we miss, um, miss some of the impact of, of what we're trying to accomplish if we use the term counseling, if we use the term discipling, we'll catch a better vision of what Jesus had in mind is that we're to go and make disciples. Disciples are those who follow in the dust of their teacher. Disciple actually means uh, when, they, when the Jewish uh, father would send his son to be trained in the matters of, uh, of the Hebrew teachings, the son would go and live with a, uh, a Pharisee. He'd go and live with a priest. And discipling, discipling meant to follow in the dust of. For example, Paul studied under Gamaliel, and he became dusty, uh, with uh, Gamaliel's dust, he was so close to him that he learned to walk with him until uh, he understood the ways of God the way uh, the way Gamaliel did. Mm-hmm. And so we need to we need to have these devoted, Christ-centered uh, people in our churches who will let the dust of their lives, the water, the springs of living water, flow from their lives into the lives of others. Uh, to keep the church dynamically functioning from year to year. And in these last days, we certainly want to not only have a gospel of salvation, but a gospel of abundant living in its discipleship, as you said, but with a problem-solving orientation. Often God uses our problems and difficulties uh, to crowd us to Christ. Exactly. Um, and then we need to be able to show people that Christ's life is the answer. Colossians 3, 1-4, to we died with him. Um, but we need to know that Christ is our very life, and when he appears, we will appear with him. So we certainly need that Christ-centered personal ministry, don't we? We sure do, and that process doesn't stop just because you've got uh, people like you and I who have a a glimpse and a handle on, on this message to some degree. God still uses 
problems and crises in our lives to bring us to, as what you've said sometimes, a deeper death. Mm -hmm. uh, until we press in and really experience the dynamic of Jesus. And our Lord said in that wonderful passage in John 15, 1-8, that He is the true vine, we are the branches, and it's an ongoing lesson and process of learning to yield to Him and trust Him to live His life in us and through us, right? Amen. Amen. And uh, He is glorified by the fruit that He bears. Amen. Well, brother, thank you so much for taking this, this time to uh, give God glory and talk about some of the lessons learned along the way. Would you uh, close in prayer and um, just ask the Lord to guide those who have been listening, for the Lord to deepen the message in each of our hearts and use us uh, to share this good news? Father, we thank you that uh, your ways are past finding out. And Father, it uh, is somewhat uh, easy for us to look back and see where we've been. But Father, your ways for us to walk in are are just amazing, and we confess that we do not know them unless we are truly depending upon the Christ who lives in us. And as much as we rejoice in the past, we look forward with hope and confidence to the future. We know that you living in us will provide everything we need to face everything that we face. And so, Father, for those who might listen to this message, I pray that their hearts shall be encouraged to know that there is a God who is alive and well and chooses to live his life within us. Thank you for the truth that's laid down for us in your word. Thank you for Galatians 2 and 20 and for Colossians 3 4. We thank you that uh, in all things we can experience the Lord Jesus. Thank you for Brother John and the Ministry of Grace Fellowship International. We pray that your Holy Spirit shall mightily anoint and bless that ministry as it continues to share the dynamic of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this time that we've been able to share your goodness. And we pray that it will be used to the honor and glory of your name. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.